Thank you, Chloe. Uh, hello, everyone. It's great to see you all. Uh, and it's so good to be together and to continue um, our series, which we call Alive. If you don't know who I am, my name is Nina, so, and I'm a part of Good First. And I'm going to be continuing our um, Alive series, uh, which is basically working through the book of Ephesians. And it's just so far, it's been absolutely wonderful. Um, I find that every time I study the book of Ephesians uh, or read it, um, it's just always something new or something that needs to be refreshed. Uh, it's full of foundational stuff and life-changing stuff. And just to put things into context, um, Ephesians have six chapters. The first three chapters is all about God's amazing grace that we are a blessed people. It's also about the church. But to summarize it with one sentence, chapter one to three is all about God's amazing grace. Then the second part, so chapters four to six, uh, which is where we find ourselves now. We are in the second part of Ephesians. We are in chapter four. It's about how we can practically respond to God's grace. How do we practically respond? And Josh started and preached on this a few weeks ago. And the answer of how we practically respond uh, to God's grace is found in the beginning of chapter four, where Paul is talking and urging us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. In the NIV, it says, Paul, that, um, it says that we are to live a life worthy of our calling. Paul is urging us here uh, to grab hold of the good news of grace and to, then to let that affect us so that we practically respond by walking in a life uh, that is worthy of, of our calling. He's saying, come on, don't stand still. Let this amazing news shape your everyday life. Make a difference. Live differently. So we respond uh, to this amazing news of the grace of God by walking and before we look at my section, it's so important that we understand that this walk is not a walk on our own. It's not my individual walk, but it is a walk that we do together in, uh, as a body of Christ. And we see this in chapter four and we see it in chapter five, uh, where Paul is using the word one another a lot. I'm just going to give a few examples. Bearing with one another in love, building others up. We are members one of another. Be kind to one another, forgiving one another. And the list goes on as we go into chapter five. So it's so important that we don't view this walk as an individual walk and that we don't miss the point for what Paul is trying to teach us. He is talking about community, he is talking about us as the body as a bride of Christ. And we respond to the grace of God by walking together in unity. So as we look at my section now, don't forget those important things that we are walking together in unity. So I'm gonna ask Becky if you could read uh, my part that I'm preaching on. So I'll hand over to you, Becky. Okay, good morning. Um, so I'm going to be reading Ephesians 4, uh, verses 17 to 32. So, now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, 
alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and you were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbour, for we are members one of one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labour, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Wonderful. Thank you, Becky, for reading that. What we see in the, the beginning of my part in the first few verses is that we see two different walks, and throughout my whole section, we see two different walks uh, being painted out. Uh, we see one which is in Christ and all that that involves, and we see another walk uh, which is not knowing Jesus, out of Christ, being, being away from God. And we see, basically, we see opposites being painted and described. We see light versus darkness. We see falsehood versus truth. We see corrupt talk versus building up. And Paul is showing us, basically, what life in Christ looks like and what life away from Jesus looks like. A, a walk away from God, as we see in the first few verses, is not good. It's in darkness. Because the fact is that all of us, all human beings, have been created for a rela relationship with God. Um, and we know, we all know people who don't know uh, Jesus. There's lots of talents out there. There's lots of gifts. Uh, but actually, as good as all those things are, without God, Paul is using the word uh, futility, futile. There's a sense of that they are lost. They don't have a direction of where they're going. And that is what life without God looks like. Even if you have amazing talents and, and amazing gifts, uh, there's some very successful people out there. Paul is saying they're lost. They're actually blind. There's also, as we see in the first few verses, we see a hardness of heart. Paul uses the word callous, that they are insensitive um, to others and other people's feelings. And they are greedy for more and more and more. And I think it's important to understand that this is who we were before we met Jesus. This is who I was before I met Jesus. And this is what people are without Jesus. They are lost because we are all uh, created for a relationship with him. And Paul is saying, this is not who you are. This is not what you were taught. 
is it's remember who you are. And in verses, uh, well, I haven't got it on the screen, but that's okay. In verses 22 to 24, Paul is saying, throw off your old self, throw off falsehood, fall, uh, throw, fall, throw off um, corrupt talk, and put on your new self. Put on everything that you have learned in chapters one to three. Know who you are. Know your identity, that you are a blessed people, that we are chosen, that we are predestined with an amazing inheritance. They are the sort of things that we need to put on and then we walk. So we're going to have a look at what uh, this walk can uh, practically, what it can look like. So let's the first one that I've got is that we replace falsehood with truth. It says, wherefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth of his neighbor. For we are members one of another. If we know who we are, if we are secure in our identity, we don't have to twist or change the truth to make ourselves look any better. Because the fact is that people who are false and people who do lie is because they are insecure in who they are. And if we are secure in who we are, we can be real with people. We can be real with one another. We can say, actually, I'm really struggling right now. I need you to help me or please pray for me. We can be honest with one another. And it says in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, in verse 4, it says, uh, we speak not to please man, but we speak to please God who tests our hearts. And so when we speak, we need to look at our motives. Why am I speaking right now? Is what I'm saying, is it pleasing God or is it pleasing man? So the first thing is what we do is we, we throw off falsehood because we know our identity. We know who we are so we can be real and we can speak truth. The next one is an interesting one, because what Paul is saying here, he says, be angry and do not sin. He doesn't say, don't be angry. Actually, the new self, he doesn't say, oh, now you should not be angry, because the, what I think Paul is trying to teach us here, that they are, it's okay to be angry about the right things. In fact, there's some horrible things going on in this world. There's some very ungodly, unjust, sinful things happening. And it's okay to be angry about those things. It's something within us that stirs. It's, a, it's the Holy Spirit. COVID-19 is something to be angry about. It's caused loads of deaths. Uh, people are in isolation. And isolation has led to bad mental health, all sorts of things going on behind closed doors. People have lost their living. It's something, it's okay to be angry about these things. But what Paul is saying here, he says, be angry but do not sin. And I think we need to examine our hearts and think, why am I being angry? Am I angry because of the right reasons? Or am I angry because actually um, what's happening is that I, 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 my pride has been wounded? The anger can often lead to other sins. So anger can lead to a hardness of heart. It can lead to bitterness. It can lead to things that we say and do that are not good. And uh, for people who know me well and have lived with me, there's a few uh, that probably can testify. Uh, I can be quite a hot-tempered person. I know that's hard to believe, 
but I can be. If I'm angry, I'm angry. If I'm sad, I'm sad. If I'm happy, I'm happy. And everyone will know about that. Uh, and I have opinions. And early on in our marriage, I could get angry about the smallest thing. And Josh and I would deal with anger differently. I could, I would blow and I would slam the door and, I, and Josh would try and calm me down. And I don't know how many times I said to him, it's all right, Josh, this is righteous anger, Josh. This is righteous anger. And I can smile and laugh about this now because actually it's not, it wasn't righteous anger. It was just that I had some issues that I needed to deal with. And we need to just be very careful with anger. Yes, we can be right um, angry about the right things. But Paul is saying, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil. Basically, deal with your anger. Forgive and move on. The next thing that we see uh, here is we go from stealing uh, to sharing. It says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. We can learn from Paul here because Paul was a hard worker. He was a tent maker, he made tents. And again, in, in Thessalonians 2, we read that Paul, he worked day and night uh, so that he would not be a burden uh, to anyone. And so as Christians, uh, we should never be afraid or ashamed of hard work. Paul is, is, a, is such a good example there, that he was earning a living so that he would not be a burden to anyone. And it's very important here that we understand as well that there's no work that is more important than the other. So whether you are a full-time mom or you are a full-time doctor or a teacher uh, or you're a full-time pastor, there is no job that is more important than the other. And again here, this is something that I've come on a journey uh, on because again, Early on in uh, when, as long as Josh and I've been married, Josh has either worked full-time for church um, uh, or at the moment he works part-time for church. And I uh, have always worked full-time as a teacher. And for a very long time, I viewed what I did as less important. So Josh was doing the holy work. Josh was doing what the work that mattered. And I was the person that supported him by bringing in um, the money to the family. And, and I was thinking, I had this, the, the thoughts of I, was, I would be thinking, oh, I just work a few more years full time and then maybe I can go down in hours and I can maybe work for the church 20, uh, 20% or whatever. And then I get to do the work that really matters. And over time, God has really been speaking to me about this. And through the input of what very wise people, I, I realize and I know now that that is completely the wrong way of thinking. It's wrong. The main goal of our lives is not that, okay, I need to work for the church because that is when I do the most important work. Actually, it's all for God's glory. We all have different gifts. We need pastors. We need doctors. We need teachers. We need IT technicians. And we are all to use those gifts and skills for God's glory. 
I'm passionate about seeing people out in the workplaces. I'm passionate. We need people who worship Jesus and who are living for him in hospitals. We need people who worship Jesus as I am. I mean, in schools, we need Christian principles. We need people, Christians who have their own businesses. We need Christians who work for IT or work with social media. We need to be out there because we have such an amazing hope, Jesus, and it needs to be shared with people. And we need to use our gifting uh, to bring, bring glory to God. This week, for example, I've been, uh, uh, I'm a science teacher, so I'm in charge of planning and teaching sex and relationships to teenagers. And I have um, such a diverse group of people uh, that I'm teaching. Uh, you have uh, the religions, uh, people with different religions on one side, uh, with all sorts of opinions and, and rules and things to follow. Um, and uh, I, have, I teach a lot of, of, of Muslim children. And then on the other side, uh, you have uh, students who want to be as far away uh, from religion as possible. And there's opinions being said, there's ideas, there's different backgrounds. And if you think, oh, what am I going to, how am I going to do this? It's very, very challenging. But throughout this week and the last few weeks, I've been able to really been able to speak into different situations and being able to just be able to speak to my students, but also to speak to my colleagues. One conversation started off with, why would you take such a risk, Mina, on getting married so young? Why, why would you do that? Why not just live together for a while? And that led, that conversation led uh, to me being able to share Jesus with two of my colleagues, just talking about the difference that he makes in my life. And I'm telling you these stories because to, I want to encourage you that what you are doing Monday to Friday is so important. You can make a difference in your workplace or wherever you spend your normal, you know, everyday lives. We are called to work hard in those places to have a, an, a principle that we, um, or an attitude that we will work hard, but also taking every day as an opportunity to be different and to talk about Jesus. Something that's really encouraged me in, in the last few weeks is also sometimes this week, I had amazing opportunities to share Jesus with my friend, my work colleagues. But there's also times where actually I'd be like, oh, why didn't I say something? Or why, why, why did I say that? That sounded so weird. But you know what? If, you, if that's how you're feeling this morning, don't give up. Tomorrow morning is going to be Monday <laughs> and you have another opportunity then and take it. In Philippians 2 verse 14, Paul talks about not complaining and arguing by just getting on with the work. I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he's saying. Don't do things without grumbling and complaining and you will shine like a star. And sometimes we don't need to say too much. Actually, if a lot of the workplaces that I've been in they are full of complaining. People like to complain, it's human nature. But just by getting on with our work, without complaining, with a smile on our faces, we can shine like stars. The second part here, so we're called to work hard, do honest work. Then he says, so, then he says, so that he may have something to, to, something to share 
with anyone in need. And this is very challenging because God, when I prepared this, that sentence stood out to me and God personally really, really spoke to me. I I just felt that he was saying, what is your motivation, Nina? He's talking, what is your motivation for earning money? How much of your money, Nina, do you give away? And I get responsibility. We all have things to pay for. You know, we all have maybe mortgages, loans. If we have children, they cost money. Going on holidays, nice. I get all those things. I like all those things. But I just felt God really speak to me about motivation for earning money. Um, And what do I do with my money? And can I ask you to allow God to challenge you as well on this? We live in a very individualistic culture especially when it comes to money. And I, a few years ago, I had the pictures, eight years ago, actually, it's a long time ago, I had a picture that I was reminded of again this week of Sweden being tied up in chains and ropes. And um, there was a freedom shout over our nation. And I feel, and I just believe that one of those chains is money. The God in Sweden is money and materialism. Different countries have different things and different challenges. And we are called to live opposite to the culture. Paul is saying, work hard so that you have something to share with people in need. Let's be, let's let, let, let's let the gospel of grace affect all areas of our lives, even money and our pockets, uh, our wallets, I should say, pockets, they can be empty. our our wallets Um, and let's be a generous people who give our money away to people who need it to the church I believe that we just need to that freedom call is hot it's good it's easy to set us free on different areas but when it comes to money and materialism it can be really hard let's be a generous people If we then move on uh, to uh, verse 29, it talks about corrupt talk, no corrupt talk, but to build one another up with the way we speak. The way we speak is so powerful and important. And we can, we can see examples of that in Proverbs 18, verse 21. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's, I mean, if you listen to that, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Recently, I have been dealing with a situation where I found one of my students during a lesson uh, in a corner, completely broken. And what was, as I was talking to this student, what was beginning to come out was that over a very long time, uh, years, uh, she had been told things by another family member uh, that were completely wrong but had broken her she had been told how ugly she is Uh, she'd been told how uh, nothing good will come out of your life you are uh, that she wasn't wanted the list was awful the list was heartbreaking um and uh you know it's such a horrible example of how words can really bring death to a person the way we speak 
the way we speak to our children, the way we speak to our work colleagues, the way we speak to family and friends, the way we speak to people can either bring life to a situation or to a person, but it can also bring death. We are told to bring, uh, to build one another up uh, so that it will give grace to those who hear. And the one way, way what we, how we can do that is that again, in 1 Thessalonians 2, Paul is talking about that we are to get behind one another and support and encourage each other to live a life worthy of our calling. That is what building up looks like. We get behind each other. We support and encourage one another to live a life worthy of our calling. And that can look like by just encouraging, saying, well done, what a great job you've done. We need more encouragement in the church. We need more encouragement in the workplaces, in our families. We can speak uh, and encourage each other. We can pray for one another. We can pray and thank God for each other. And we also can encourage and build one another up with scripture. So we need to know God's word. If someone comes to us and say, says, oh, I really don't feel like God loves me. He doesn't love me. We can say, actually, that's not true. Let me remind you what scripture says about you. Let me remind you what, 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 who you are in Christ. We can, the way we use our words can really affect situations and people. Let's be people that build one another up with the words that we use. To finish, let's remember who we are and let's remember our identity. And when we fail, because we will, we are human beings and sometimes we will be angry for the wrong reasons. Sometimes uh, we want to change the truth because we actually want to please man and we want to look better. Sometimes we, we're just not kind people. What do we do then? And the first thing we do is that when we feel like running in the opposite direction, because we messed up, we run uh, to Jesus. We throw ourselves on him, we cling to him, we, we, we look to him because we need to know him more. We need to be filled with the spirit. The second thing we do is we don't live in isolation. We are not made for a Christian life on our own because together we can build one another up. We can say, come on, you're doing so well, or let me help you. Let's do this together. We can pray for one another. And when we are in community, that's when we get to practice these things. So if you want to be, because we need to practice this. If you want to be more patient, spend time with people because then you get to practice your patience <laughs> if you want to be more kind or generous spend time with people because then you can be kind and you can be generous it is in community that we become more like christ it is in community that we walk in unity so what we're going to do now i'm just going to pray and then we're going to go into breakout rooms um yeah, I'm going to pray first and then I'll explain what we're going to do. Father, I thank you that you are with us every day. Father, I thank you for all the truths that we read in, in chapters one to three, that we are in Christ, that we are chosen, that we are a blessed people. 
Father, I pray that we will be able to walk this week in the life uh, that is worthy of our calling. Father, I pray that you help us, Holy Spirit, fill each one of us so that we can make a difference in our day-to-day -day living. Thank you, God, that you are with us. And tomorrow morning, when we, whatever we're facing tomorrow morning, God, you go with us. Help us to share that good news with people.